You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 31st, 2023, the first Sunday after Christmas. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Good morning, all. Merry Christmas, Tide, and, and Happy New Year. As you may have noticed, if you were here last Sunday, I lost my voice last week. After recovering from a head cold in the days before, I went to a restaurant in town on the Friday before Christmas. And this restaurant was packed, and it was loud. And therefore, I had to speak at an elevated volume just to carry on a normal conversation, though I didn't really notice this at the time. And this apparently taxed my already taxed vocal cords just a little too much. So a little bit later, after I went home, I noticed, oh, I I can't really talk. My voice is gone. The words, they're not coming out. This was not the best news for me, considering that Christmas Eve was in two days, and I was preaching on Sunday morning and scheduled to preside in the evening at at 10 o'clock. So I began a strict regimen of, of tea with honey, gargling with salt water, consuming honey lozenges, which were actually really delicious. It was hard to knock it off when the time came. And just generally trying to take it easy. And by the time Sunday morning came, sure enough, I was able to preach and later preside, but just barely. It was tough. I felt a little bit like Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who in the story before the Annunciation to Mary which I preached on last Sunday morning for our observance of Advent 4. Just before that, Zechariah is struck dumb by the angel Gabriel for nine months before his son John is born. Though fortunately for me, it was just a couple of days. I also felt a deepened appreciation for words, language, and speech, things I often take for granted. Like so many things, I don't really think about them until they're taken away or limited in some way. But when unable to reliably ask or answer basic questions, uh, when unable to communicate my thoughts or feelings very well, never mind have an extended conversation about anything, I was newly grateful for this amazing capacity we humans have through words to communicate and cooperate in innumerable ways. Speaking of words, today's gospel, the prologue of the gospel of John, is about the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This passage is saying that there is a very important connection between words and God, or at least the word and God. And this, together with my deepened appreciation for words after briefly losing my ability to use them, made me think about my attitude towards words about God or God talk over time. When I was young, a relative term, I know, when I was 19, I had a mystical experience, and a spiritual awakening. 
in ways that go beyond words. I felt I experienced the all-surpassing radiance, the overwhelming compassion, and the fathomless mystery of the divine. And this changed my life, and it turned me into a seeker. Now, first, I started reading books by the Dalai Lama, and I thought I would become a Buddhist. But eventually, this path led me to embrace an adult Christian faith, though I still love Buddhism and the Dalai Lama, who I know is very popular here these days. My spirituality was grounded in the mystery of God, and this evoked in me feelings of awe and adoration towards the divine. My desire was for a communion with God that went beyond words. This was influenced and inspired by the writings of great Christian mystics, especially Thomas Merton, who wrote that the deepest level of communication is not communication, but communion. It is wordless. It is beyond words. It is beyond speech. I was also influenced by Buddhism, Zen, Taoism, and Indian philosophy, such as this text from the Tao Te Ching, the foundational text of Taoism, that says the Tao, or roughly translated the way, that can be told of is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the origin of heaven and earth. I also felt a great affinity for the Jewish sensibility to honor the divine mystery, the sacredness of the divine, by not speaking the name of God. This, along with other factors, gave rise to an aversion to talking about God that lasted for over a year. I felt that God is a mystery that transcends all categories of thought and that the creator of our vastly mysterious universe must be infinitely more so. And I felt that so much of the God talk I heard, however well-intentioned, tended to diminish and trivialize the awesome mystery of the divine. The God that I commonly heard spoken of in both conservative and progressive theological contexts sounded like either a loving parent or an austere judge or perhaps a combination of the two who was awfully busy listening to prayers, who lived in heaven and would hopefully let us in when the time comes, and also happens to share all of our cultural values and political opinions, whatever they might be. I don't disagree with the fullness of all those ideas, except maybe the last one, but I don't think they adequately express the reality. And so I felt that it was better to be silent about God for a time. And perhaps it was. But the time came, sometime later, when I began to understand the importance of words and the life of faith. After all, my mystical sensibility was largely shaped by books, words. Not least of all the Bible, the word of God given to us. Words cannot contain or fully express the being of God, but they can, when used rightly, point us in the right direction. Shared language and stories about God are necessary for a shared faith, such as we have and are practicing right now. I came to recognize that I could not communicate my understanding 
or love of God by sitting silently on a cushion. I came to recognize that words are powerful tools for awakening in us a desire for spiritual things and building us up in our faith. Words such as the poetry of the Psalms and the prophets, the great narratives of the Torah, the parables and teachings of Jesus, the theology and prayers of St. Paul, the beauty of our liturgical language and the Book of Common Prayer. God uses these words to communicate with us, to make himself known, and to draw us into communion. This sensibility seems to be shared by today's gospel passage about the word, but it takes it one step, indeed one giant leap, further. In it we hear, no one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Now this is the gospel for the first Sunday after Christmas every year in our lectionary. And so, of course, it has a connection to the Christmas story, to the birth of Jesus, to the coming of Christ, to the incarnation. For John, Jesus is the Word of God, the ultimate expression of the divine who became flesh and lived among us. Now, the Greek word for word here is logos, and it means much more than word in the ordinary sense. Long before the Gospel of John, indeed long before the life of Jesus, Logos was used by ancient Greek philosophers, and by them it had various meanings, such as an all-pervading universal reason, the divine mind present in the created order. For Plato, the Logos is the means by which we awaken to spiritual reality, which is otherwise invisible to us. For Aristotle, the Logos is the spiritual power and essence of God that resides in us as a spark of the divine. For the Stoics, the Logos was an intelligent, self-conscious world soul dwelling in all things. And this sounds a bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi's speech about the Force in Star Wars. For the Jewish philosopher Philo, who lived during the life of Jesus but probably did not know about Jesus, the Logos flowed from God and was the instrument through which God created the world. In Old Testament wisdom literature, we find a similar idea of divine wisdom by which God created the world and through which God dwells in the human heart and indeed in all creation. And when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, the word for wisdom in Greek was Sophia, which is worth noting is a feminine name for an aspect of the divine, which again is noteworthy in uh, a tradition that is overwhelmingly masculine in its naming of God. John, the Gospel of John, draws on these traditions and ideas and identifies Jesus as this very word and wisdom of God becoming flesh and living among us. Because though there was a lot of writing and thinking about the Logos and of divine wisdom before 
Jesus and before the Gospel of John, no one had ever thought that the Logos would actually become a person, become a baby. It's an astonishing claim that John made. All of this so that we could see, understand, and relate to the invisible and transcendent God. But more than that, in Jesus, the Word made flesh, God participates in and shares our life so that we might participate in and share the divine life. This is the very essence of Christmas and indeed of Christianity itself. Christianity is not reducible to the golden rule or to any of Jesus' teachings, no matter how important they might be, and indeed they are. The heart of Christianity is this astounding claim that the invisible, awesome, and omnipotent God became a person, became a baby named Jesus. A baby who for years was dependent on his parents for care and sustenance. The heart of Christianity is this claim that by looking at Jesus, by learning from him, by seeking to know him, we become caught up in the mystery of God, into the divine life. It's been said that sin is simply human beings' loss of desire or taste for spiritual things. I really like that definition. And perhaps part of why we lose our desire or taste for spiritual things is because we don't feel like we can see them. They see them hidden from us, and we can even forget about them entirely. So on this New Year's Eve, on the threshold of a new year, with New Year's resolutions in mind, perhaps we might resolve to renew our devotion to Jesus, the Word made flesh, because the closer we get to him, the more we will love him, and the more we will see and know and love God through him. And this, as he says later in the Gospel of John, this knowledge and love of God is life itself. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website www.stmarksnewcanaan.org